You are listening to ESO All-Stars. So uh, it's been about, what, about two months since we last did this. Uh, we did it right before E3, wanted to kind of see some of the things that were going to be uh, released at E3. Um, and it was, you know, a good amount of information. Um, so briefly, real quickly, uh, ha- has anything really changed in the lives of you guys since we did this last? Anything monumentally changing? Anything monumentally different? Uh, so we yeah. found out someone had a kid. Who? I don't wow. know. Great. <laughs> All right. So, somewhere had a kid, right? right, Someone had a kid somewhere. Nice. Congratulations. Okay. Um, They're saying they can't hear anybody but you. (laughs) Oh no! Please tell me you're lying. (laughs) Nope. Look at it. Yeah, can't hear anybody but Umbra. What you do? (laughs) I didn't do Jack. (laughs) Fail. How about now? Can you guys hear us? You hear us now? Can you hear Testing. us? Hello, One, Internet. Two, Every time. I feel Can't like, hear feel like this is a thing. I see a yes. Ah! Uh, uh, ah! Uh, ah! Uh, uh, there we uh, go. Woo! <laughs> okay, good. We're professionals, kids. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah, we do this all the time, like every two months. So anyway, <laughs> in addition to all the other stuff we do. So... Briefly, the format of the show is, is kind of a roundtable, kind of go around the horn and talk to the folks that we consider the all-stars. The only reason why we consider ourselves the all-stars is just because uh, we're self-proclaimed all-stars. I don't know why. <laughs> we all met when we all did Ego. the... Uh, we just thought it was a cool name. We all met when we uh, went to one of the uh, fan-slash-press events uh, last year, so that's kind of the reason why we do this. Um, although, I've been getting bothered by a bunch of other fan sites, so we'll try to figure out how to get folks in as either guests or alternates or something like that but um uh we've got a couple of questions we'll try to go around um think about you know the good the bad and the ugly of the situation of the question and then uh we're going to open it up to uh some of the folks in the chat and see what you guys have to say so uh let's start with the first question and make sure all you guys got the questions uh pvp actually let me make sure that this is the right one i sure hope not because <laughs> i'm not following do not follow. <laughs> Look, we had a set list of questions, gentlemen. <laughs> we did. Okay. So, what are your thoughts on the consoles uh, and ESO? So, basically, that was one of the real big reveals at E3. The fact that they're going to have uh, Elder Scrolls Online actually be released for PS4 and for uh, Xbox uh, One. So, w- w- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously, it's going to kind of divide the communities because they're going to kind of divide it up by platform. Um, but but what are your thoughts in in, in, a, in a fact that it's going to be the first that I understand massive MMO that's released on all those different platforms? So let's uh, start with the Varwin. Well, uh, there's one thing I disagree with that you said, which is divide the communities. I don't really think it's it's a division. Um, I think I think as far as it releasing just to to PC, um, I think the the PC crowd was really excited to to get a, an Elder Scrolls MMO. But the console players were were getting left out. I see it more as like an inclusion of of those guys, um, and I think it's a it's overall. 
I think it's a really good, a really good announcement. I think it's uh, something that that was necessary. You know, one of the biggest things that Elder Scrolls fans have always had is their game available on console and PC as well. And you know, a lot of people that were writing into our show were saying, "How come it's not available on on uh, console?" So now, so now it will be, and and uh, they're excited, and I'm excited for them. I think it's a wonderful thing. So you're kind of a glasses half full kind of guy. In this regard, yeah, I do. I think um, I think more options can't be a bad thing. All right, uh, Joe. Uh, I am a hundred percent with Yvarwin on this. It's not excluding a community or, or dividing it. It's adding more to the community. And now's the time. The con- the new consoles are computers in a smaller box hooked up to your TV. Uh, it's never been like that before, and you were wrong. There were other MMOs that did go multi-platform that were considered mainstream, but um, <clears throat> they worked out fairly well, but it wasn't the same thing as going from... Yeah, the PC was miles and miles better. But now that the consoles are, in, in its essence, PCs in themselves, the way they're doing the, the structure, I don't see any problem with this whatsoever. It's nothing but good for Zenimax. Okay. Jesse. I I you know I agree I think it's it's a it's a good thing and I like that at least from what I've seen so far that whole balance of MMO and Elder Scrolls game it's starting to balance more back towards Elder Scrolls which is great for console players because that's I think what they're looking for less MMO uh, more actual like first person slashing and murdering and uh, I agree that. When it comes to the actual construction of the consoles, they're more like PCs than they've ever been before. And I read something today that I am pretty sure uh, is probably illegal, but uh, from what I found out, apparently the building of of a PS4 and Xbox One is so similar to PCs, it will make ROMs, like, that much easier for new things. Which, I mean, that's how similar they are. And so, you know, don't do that, kids, but you can do that, kids. (laughs) <laughs> all right kyle so same question but um i mean what do you think the impacts are going to be relative to the ui relative to a console well first i just want to make sure can the people hear me because before they were saying they couldn't can they hear me yes they got yes. you man okay good all right so uh you're asking about the ui and how that would like limit things for the console right or not how would it limit it, but, I mean, how do you think it's going to, you know, play in terms of a... I, I just can't imagine, you know, you having the same full UI that you're going to be able to have. Because, uh, right. you know, you have a mouse and you can move things and you got your keyboard. I mean, what do you think the ramifications are going to be for the folks well, that are going to be playing with the consoles, vice uh, the PC gamers? Well, like... For sure, you won't be able to just, you know, obviously have a bunch of buttons you can go ahead and hotkey your skills to. So they're going to have some kind of like maybe a bumper system with um, a pinwheel type thing where you can select things to use. So, yeah, it's going to take more time to just cast spells and stuff like that, which will kind of limit consoles versus PCs, which is for me a good reason for them to split consoles from PC. Because there's no way that a console player is going to be able to keep up with a PC player for specifically that reason. So I was like, originally I was thinking, it's like, well, why don't we kind of just link up at least the PVE versions of the Mega Server? But, you know, 
thinking about that though, with the whole UI system and everything, it just wouldn't make sense to do that because of that. Okay. And whose baby face was that? I mean, I know I have a baby face. <laughs> it wasn't me. So, yeah, I was super bummed when I heard this announcement, right? I don't really? want any Cheeto licking, uh, Mountain Dew drinking, Call of Duty playing, uh, console gamers messing up my Elder Scrolls Online. It's just, that's just not right. All right, PC chosen race all the way. <laughs> um, no, honestly, when I first heard this, I was super, super excited for it because... I have a lot of friends that like to play on consoles, and although I don't particularly agree with that, I I play on consoles from time to time. I I was looking forward to them buying a PC, actually, for this (coughs) next generation so that we could play together. And the only thing that has me down about this announcement, in all honesty, is the fact that uh, I'm going to be separated from some of my friends. So it's much more of a personal thing, you know, since uh, we know that Xbox and, and PlayStation 4 and PC are all getting their own mega servers. I'll no longer be able to play with those guys. Um, that's pretty much the only thing I had. Uh, I know there are some PC, I guess, elitists out there that actually wouldn't have taken my first statement as sarcasm. Uh, I, I don't think that this game is going to be made any less for PC because it's bringing, being brought to the consoles, you know, some people, that's a major concern. And, and I totally get that. But we know that from the moment this game started development, it was developed with the PC gamer in mind. You know, years and years have gone by this being a PC game. And uh, consoles, well, that's just a new development, right? So I'm looking at this not as like a console to PC port. If anything, it's a uh, PC to console port. So, yes, I'm excited because people are uh, going to get what they want. And if they're happy, uh, my friends are happy, I guess I'm happy too. All right, Brian, what about you? So, um, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them moving to the multi-platforms. It's just a bigger market for them to go after. But the, the one thing that I'm most excited for for doing it is because there was the mega server, there was only going to be one server first. I think that was one of my favorite things with MMOs was the server first. So now there'll be three. Um and I think that we'll see a trend that the PC users are going to be the ones always getting the server first just because that's, that's the community. We're all hardcore, you know. There's like that difference between console gamers. Um, and uh, one of the users over at GameSkinny, I hope he's watching, Dale7656 brought up a re- really good point that the console users, for the most part, are going to be people who don't go for PC stuff anyway. They only play on consoles. So the MMO market is really uh, strange to them. They haven't really played anything in the MMO market. So they'll end up being less critical of the game because they it'll be really their first MMO. Dude, so that was I'm, a, I'm glad. That was a console stereotype. Sorry. <laughs> so, so while you're on that, real quick, what, what was the, uh, or what were some of the console-based uh, MMOs? Because... <laughs> I guess I'm just not thinking of them. I got one for you. I remember this. Us, us uh, old farts from back in the day remember uh, Final Fantasy XI was on consoles. Ah, yes. Uh, the EverQuest Online Adventures, I believe it was called. Yes. That was on consoles. PlayStation 2. And um, what? Oh, man. There was at least one more that I can think of, but I can't remember the DCO. name. DCO. Fantasy Star. Star. Yeah, Fantasy Star Online. DC, was DC Universe on a console? Yeah, it's multiple. Yes, it was. Apparently, <laughs> but it was Giants is a modern one. 
Defiance. So, so there are plenty. I, I'm curious though if those because I know uh, Final Fantasy XI was made so you could play on console and PC together. Uh, the Elder Scrolls, uh, no, Elder Scrolls derp. The uh, EverQuest starts with an E. It's similar enough. The EverQuest, uh, <laughs> the the EverQuest Online Adventures that was just for console, so there wasn't anyone there. But there's two things I actually have question wise for you guys that I'm really curious about what you think. Um, first, would the console markets like would those worlds be smaller? Because I figure MMO players on PC would there be a lot more people playing there versus those other worlds. If you split the worlds, does that make those servers smaller? And would they change the servers for console players based on I don't know console stereotypes? We'll say and make it a little bit easier for them uh, and change sort of the. Let me. I don't know. Let's say it this way: the console gamers make up seventy percent of the gaming market. So fact, yeah. Yeah, let me jump in on this one because I haven't I haven't taken a crack at the console issue yet um, for this question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think when the console thing was announced, there was like a lot of really crazy stuff being said around the internet. I mean, the console people were thrilled because they were getting like this. They were getting the new Elder Scrolls game where they weren't expecting it. The PC community was, you know, divided to say the least. Like I saw some pretty, you know ludicrous statements being thrown out there you know people saying things like a scientific study concluded that console players find arrow to the knee jokes 80 percent more amusing while pc players are 100 percent less impressed by 360 no no scope headshots or something i i mean there's like all the stereotypes for flying and i mean i can understand that It, it is a different type of player demographic but at the same time i'm not sure that the market's smaller and I think a lot of it depends on on their business model announcement, and I think that the console edition may have some effect on that. I mean, that's like a whole nother question, but uh, I mean, if you look at the Skyrim sales, for example, you know, all of the the millions of box sales that they can get through console sales, it's more content. It almost, I mean, this is like, I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx the game, but it almost guarantees ESO financial success. Uh, to a certain extent, I mean, reaching that entire new market. And so that gives them the resources they need to focus on content development, to focus on building the features and staying true to the vision for their game that they've been going for from the start, maybe without having to feel like they have to compromise that in order to you know, meet, meet financial objectives. Another great thing is it's going to be an early launch title for these systems as well, which is another major point for it. But can we can we agree there's a slight difference between a con like this is generalizing but between a console player who can play a game pick it up play for like however long and drop it versus someone in an MMO community who is I am committed to destroying this dragon and I will wait six and a half hours to do so like that those are two different types of people and I don't know how they mesh which is why I'm wondering because they're on different servers if those servers will have tweaks to things. To make it so console players can keep their average, like I'm gonna do what I want to do, or Jesse, what um, I I sort of I sort of agree with you to a point, but the thing is, is my own personal experience is is this. Um, I've enjoyed doing exactly that in an MMO, and I've enjoyed you know picking up a controller on my console, playing a quick game of you know Gears Two um, with with my buddies online. And then just putting the controller down and then going back to an MMO. I think it depends on 
I think a lot of people play consoles for a reason and then play MMOs for a different reason. And it's, it's just sort of like a mindset, you know, what do I feel like playing today? Do I have the time to sit down and, and, you know, play a couple of hours of, you know, world of Warcraft or rift, um, or do I have, you know, only a couple of minutes before I run out and, and get my chores done? So let me sit down and, uh, you know, play, you know, try and see if I can get through that board of, of gears. You know, a gamer is a gamer is a gamer. And I think the, the, the line between the old EverQuest guys on the PC back in the day and, and the, the old, you know, uh, Modern Warfare dudes on, on console is, is really blurring very much as, as uh, technology and software becomes more accessible to everybody. Well, I think the positives of the console announcement, like, you know, some people have pointed those out. But the negatives, I mean, we can speculate, but honestly, the, the degree to which the console announcement might be a negative ends up being dependent on to what degree it impacts their developmental objectives for the game. I mean, will it change the way that they approach developing? Will it change the way they approach content? Will it change the way they approach UI? I mean, if they're still focused on building ESO to be an MMO that's successful on the PC platform, and then they adapt the UI for consoles, and they make it accessible to the console market, then I think you can paint that as a big win for ZeniMax. But if it changes fundamentally the way that they're building the game for a way that in a way that the, the MMO market doesn't like, uh, you know, the game I'm sure will still be successful, but there might be more negatives to be drawn from that type of uh, I think that's shift. a complete old stigmata. There's, I'm convinced nothing needs to be changed for the UI interface to compensate for the controller, and that's it. The core of the game won't change because the consoles nowadays are PCs. And there's no yeah, need yeah, to change Yeah, exactly. It. And I'm not saying the core of the game will change, but I'm saying that, you know, if their philosophy does shift, which I'm not, I'm not claiming that it will. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, if, they're, if they change it to target more to the console market, then I think a lot of the negatives that people have been pointing out might, you could make more of an argument for that. But if they stay true to their vision for the game that they've had since they began de- developing it, then I don't see this console thing as being a negative in any way. Here's, here's I, I, what... Um, if I could just get <laughs> one thing out real quick. I'm sorry, Jesse, to talk over you. Uh, here's, here's the one thing I've always been really excited about the development of this game. ZeniMax Online Studios has never walked away from the question, how is this an Elder Scrolls game? What makes an Elder Scrolls game? Whenever, whenever you hear about their design decisions, the first question they ask is, okay, but is that Elder Scrolls? And uh, hopefully that, that helps everything out in the, in the end. I'm sorry again, Jesse. Go ahead. No, I was I was gonna say that then the the question then becomes and this goes back to my original question that I asked you guys uh, when it comes down to that console and PC user, what does that mean for pricing? Because going back to you know, hmm. even though I generalized and, and and you sort of agreed with me on this is that a console player a lot of the times you're looking for a different experience when you play it, right? You're playing that while you're waiting for something to happen on the computer or maybe you're doing like different things. Are they going to be willing to pay a monthly fee in order to play a game over what they're paying to have access to the internet to play games like PlayStation Plus or Gold Pass on Xbox? I have no clue. Which and so, what does that mean for the pricing of the actual game? Could it be free to play? What What does that mean though for uh, 
downloads and patches over time, do you think there's going to be a different patching schedule? That's what, I mean. There's lots of there's lots of things there that that we good thing we don't have to consider it, but Zenimax does because that's something that would affect console users. I guarantee a console user is going to stay away from a game where they have to pay extra over what they're already paying for it, just because that sort of uh, I guess that experience they have already. Because I don't like if I'm on a console game, I pay for it and then that's it. I'm like I don't want to deal with all your DLC BS and. I'm more likely on a PC to pay a monthly fee. I mean, hell, I did it for like six years, and wow. So I, I don't know. I don't know what their strategy there would be. It's I, a, that's why I'm asking you guys, I guess. It'd be very simple, actually. It'd be the same thing you see in every MMO. It'd just be a patch run-through. They would just delay the PC one a little bit to coincide for, with the Xbox and Sony regulations to pass through. So they'd be like, have everything ready a week in advance, let it go through Sony and Xbox. Say, okay, we're going to release this patch on this day when they know all systems are going to coincide. That's what um, Gearbox does, for instance, with Borderlands. Every DLC, everything that they do, patch always at the same time because they submit it for equal timing. So I don't think you're going to be paying any extra for patches or anything like that. I really well, that's one month, of the things I really fee? worry about, though. Monthly fee? Well, that that's always on the table for them. Um, it, there are games, there are there are MMOs. And I know some people will say that there isn't, but there is that charge monthly fees. Final Fantasy XI was one of them to play it on a console. So that's not saying it's saying okay, it's going to be on console, so it has to be free. That's not the case. It could very well go for a full <coughs> pay to play. Um, in fact, I mean, it's, it's easy point, enough Joe. for Sony and Xbox to say we're not going, we don't. You can play this. You can have this game. You can play online. But because there's a monthly fee, we're not going to charge you to do Xbox Gold or, or the PS Plus in order to play this game, which is, I believe, something they're already planning on doing. How different is the code, though? I mean, realistically, given the platform. I mean, what what are the major challenges? That the are- nice thing about this um, modern system is that there's there are Sony and Microsoft are trying to streamline the gaming industry. None of this, okay, well... We have to drastically change the entire engine just to fit the PlayStation 3 and then change it again to finish, X, finish fit into the Xbox. The code is all streamlined because they're building the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One as PCs. And it's going to be only slight tweaks. It's, not, it's going to be a coder's dream when it comes to porting multi-console. Well, the, the architecture similarities between the platforms, I mean, that is a strength of the next-gen consoles. But in terms of development cycle, patch cycle, stuff like that, I almost think they have to keep them separate. I don't think they can delay patches for PC community based on restrictions by PSN or Xbox Live. Uh, I mean, if you've got a game-breaking exploit in an MMO, you can't wait to hotfix that just because PSN has, you know, regulations on, you know, on on updating the game. Um, so I almost think that they. I expect that the the cross-platform development cycles will be similar. But I would be surprised if they delayed content to release it uh, simultaneously. They won't. Just look at DLCs and how they never seem to release on all the consoles at the same time. They always seem to be delayed between PC and console. So I definitely don't think you'll see delays between patches for the different uh, platforms. You won't. All right. Well, um, I think we've, uh, we've discussed that one pretty thoroughly. Uh, for folks who are in the uh, chat... If you've got a question, um, we've got a couple of moderators in there. Um, we've also got a couple of devs. I think uh, Jessica and I think Gina are kind of in there, the community uh, management. So Gina Bruno and uh, Jessica Folsom. 
Um, but if you've got a question, just put a you know question space buttnicks or question space butt something so that it's got butt in a name. <laughs> I don't I don't know. That's, that's going to create some interesting chat conversations. I, I, I know. That's why I have moderators. And uh, just put your question <laughs> after that, and then he'll collect them, and we'll do uh, some questions from the community after this next question. So we'll go into it. Uh, question number two. Um, guild systems. Uh, what do you think would be three, and, and this is a stack in a deck, I, and I realize it's probably an unfair question, but what would you say are three systems that are that are critical for guilds at launch for any MMO, regardless of platform? So let's just assume for the sake of argument, you know, take the consoles out of the conversation, let's just assume it's just an MMO, the MMO. What, what do you think are pretty much... The, the three systems that it's got to have at launch to make it a viable uh, MMO. And we'll start with uh, you, Brian. Um, well, obviously, uh, a ranking system. But uh, I would hope that they kind of think out um, some cool tools for guild, guild leaders. Um, a calendar and, you know, a roster. I mean, those are just the essentials, I would say, you know. Okay. Um, Joe? When it comes to essentials, an easy UI. Uh, I've seen too yeah. many MMOs lately that have very complex and stupid UIs for guild interface. Um, that's going to be a big thing. Something more than a chat system? Yeah, something more than a chat system. Uh, give your guild leaders options, you know? Options to manage your guild. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, like really. Uh, I think one of the most important things is guild banks. Yes, I definitely agree with a lot. Of, a lot of MMOs so, have been releasing without them. They they're usually like, well, it's not going to be there at launch. What's going to be there? Yeah. What's what's up with that? I mean, uh, as far as I I can remember, every MMO I've ever played at launch, uh, there's always been, you know, a guild bank system. I mean, it's it's not for the last three years, man. <laughs> I know <laughs> what what the hell. Not even World of Warcraft had a guild bank for after until several years into the development. Yeah, or maybe yeah. my memory. My memory is is flawed, and <coughs> no, sure but I mean, is. you're 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 totally right in the sense that I mean, how how can you effectively do a lot? And I guess I'll I'll jump in here. Is how can you effectively get your guild economy working if you don't have a guild bank? How do you craft and you know transfer mm-hmm. mats and and craft and provide a system so that folks can you know can share with each other and kind of help each other out if, if you don't have that and then you know like the granular levels of detail for the different ranks that would need different levels of access belt based on you know if you're a techie least privileges you know or you know the the, the, the bare minimum re- requirements for permissions you would need at your level to access the things that you need without you know getting robbed blind like I have actually in some MMOs you know what I mean yeah. um star uh yeah whatever uh, what, what, <laughs> what about you, Andrew? I think there's a lot of guild systems that go a long ways towards making guilds really sticky in the community. Uh, banks are definitely one of them that was mentioned. I think a really functional roster, uh, the ability to sort on all kinds of different features. Um, annotations, I really like being able to put notes like next to your character in a roster, communicate with your guild, let them know like what crafts you have. Um, you know, speaking of crafting, I think they could do some cool stuff if they do have a guild bank. You know, somehow allow guild crafters to tap into resources that are already in the bank, maybe without having to withdraw them or, or have some convenient access point if they're at a craft station. Um, 
being a Dayok veteran, I'm a huge fan of Guild Heraldry. That's something that they've said is already not planned for launch, but if they manage to, you know, look at that further down the road, that'd be awesome. Can you um, define what that is? Right, yeah. So uh, Guild Heraldry, meaning you can maybe choose a sigil or a, an emblem for your guild that's that's unique or, you know, it's a combination of colors and a symbol, like from an allowable set that they give you access to. Um, you're not, like, uploading your own PNGs or anything, but this is, like, they give you a choice. You can choose your heraldry and then so guild logos you know yeah guild members can like display that on their shield or on their cloak or if your guild is uh controlling a keep in cyrodiil you can have your guild banners like hanging outside the keep uh you know things like that that's great um i think uh, a calendar for scheduling events is a really good way to keep your guildies logging back into the world um i don't know and i think customizable ranks is a big one especially for eso because the Elder Scrolls lore has so many different types of player groups. I mean, I see on TF all the time players that are wanting to, you know, make one of the Dark Elf houses or make, you know, some other lore-appropriate group in-game, and they've got all these, like, crazy lore <laughs> uh, ranks and, and backstory behind their guild, and I think empowering players to create those organizations in-game can, can really keep people interested as well, so that's my take. That's cool. Um... What about you, Josh? Uh, Andrew, I love what you said about the whole lore thing. It's very cool because I always liked the guilds where you could kind of like name your own ranking system just by typing in a field, and they made it really easy. And that harkens back to Joe's point about a very easy guild UI to use because, you know, guild UI is something that has given me frustration in the past. <coughs> you know, a simple task, even if it be inviting a, a member to your guild, has been, has been frustrating in some MMOs. But I think, like, at the heart of this question is what a guild needs to succeed at launch and what they can do to help with that. Um, and you guys confirm on this, but I think the only way to register your guild right now or at least get a guild going for ESO is their whole social, social integration thing. So if you want a guild, you would start a page on, like, Facebook or, or start a Twitter account for that. Am I right? I'm not sure if that's still happening or not. It might be. They talked about that. They, they definitely did talk about it, and now they've been hush-hush about it, and I hope that's because maybe they plan on launching their own like in-house system that's hosted on their website. And this is something that Swator actually did very well. That would where you be amazing. Actually, yeah, register yeah. your guild name. You, know? you have your name all set, your members you can invite. You can even start your ranking right there in, on their site. And they also provided you with a guild forms right there on the site too. So it was all very consolidated and when the game launched, they were all put into the same server. So I guess in this case, they would all be put into the same phase for the mega server. And it all went very, very smoothly. So I hope that's something that they'll adopt from Sotor because that was one of the things they got right. What do you guys think of a guild tax system at launch? Because I know just trying to build an economy for multiple, you know, we, we game across a number of guilds and that, or a number of games. And that's always a problem is, you know, very few... MMOs these days have an inherent or at launch guild tax system as opposed Umbra. to yeah not, you know not getting that audio are you getting me now nope oh, this thing Everybody's keeps defaulting to pause I'm sorry or muting me out anyway a tax system at launch right um that's something I think is paramount and a lot of MMOs as of late have not had that where you can just say hey five percent of whatever you kill goes into the guild coffers. That way you don't have to always ask for handouts, right? 
mm-hmm. when you're trying to buy something for the guild. Can we? Oh, say- it depends on how they've de- developed their economy already in game at launch. Um, something like that may not be may not be necessary. <laughs> Can we say guilds the guild skill tree? Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. mean that would be interesting. I mean, but, you know, in terms of getting finance, getting coin back into the guild. I mean, what what systems other than like an inherent guild tax system do you think would be would be applicable? Because I, you know, I haven't really thought of anything other than just the tax system because that's so cut and dry to me. Do you have like a, any better examples or, or stuff? I mean, there's there's always guilds selling on auction houses and stuff like that, finding various loot items and selling those. That works a lot of the time, especially if the leadership is active and in charge they can handle that but the tax system i don't know it depends on people you know not many people like getting taxed so (laughs) history has proven this yes good luck with that (laughs) (laughs) they need to have some form of representation or you might be in trouble your young members might (laughs) take it but i mean you know if, if you if you have it built into the the dynamic or the system you're never really missing it you know cuz you're you're killing whatever you're taking its loot and you just see your money come in i mean how often are you going to really notice that 3% or whatever the percentage if is if it's an auto tax off the drop then that shouldn't be an issue well well that's what i'm talking about that, that's yeah. what i'm saying a dynamic that's built into the system that's like you know i could just go in and engage hit everybody for 3% or 2% or whatever um and in that way, you never—it's like you kind of never—you never see it, you never miss it. As opposed to saying every Friday, give me you know a hundred gold or whatever. You know, the problem it's, I see with that, and this is something that I feel like would would over time affect people, is those who are there at the event—they're the ones getting taxed. Uh, I mean, unless it's on everyone, but the people who are never online who show up like a day a week—they're reaping the benefits of that taxation. Th- that's true. Mm-hmm. That, that, that is a very true statement, I guess. Yeah. In terms so, of taxes... Sorry, Jesse, go ahead. No, 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 I was... Go for it. I mean, I'm a big fan of options, and I've been in guilds that have really successfully used a guild tax before, but I think the need for that is governed by the economy of the game, like, like some other people mentioned, in that, you know, do you have things in your game that are attractive and, and necessary for guilds to have money to spend on? Uh, I mean, they said, you know... No housing at launch, but guild housing would have been a good example of this. Like, can you, like, could you deck out a guild house? Or, you know, suppose you've got end game PVE encounters that you're doing as a large group with your guild. Are there, you know, consumables or are there supplies that, you know, in order to, to be successful, you want to show up with those things? And so, I mean, if they have things in the game where as a guild you can benefit by buying them for your guild then having a way to provision that money is really important and it's great. But if those things aren't there, I'm, I don't know if, you know, it, it, like I said, it's all contingent on what is the economic balance that they're creating. Right. I mean, I definitely think that's a valid point, you know, and I, I don't think I considered that when I asked the question. Um, I guess my concern normally with a guild starting any new game, which we tend to do like every two plus years or whatever, is you're trying to figure out some kind of way to get to some kind of economic prosperity so you can start buying or, or having some money ready for the in-game guild stuff like a guild whatever, you know, a guild hall, a guild bank. Like in Tor, you had to buy your bank, which was insane, you know. <laughs> uh, um, I, don't, I, don't know why, I don't know any place in the world where you got to buy a bank, but we had to buy a bank. And then, you know, 
but I mean, like in progressive systems, uh, Age Conan, you know, had some interesting things. You know, you could buy different things to put into your little guild area, and then now you could reap those rewards. So, but but relative to what you're saying, I mean, it definitely is food for thought. How about uh, back to your comment originally? I believe it was Andrew. Um, a, a meaningful roster. So, for example, where you can like right click in your roster and actually. Uh, make groups, invite people to guild, or, or, or I guess they're already in a guild, but, you know, start doing things. I mean, I, I know some MMOs that, that didn't even have that. There, it was just a glorified yeah. chat system where you couldn't kind of do anything, right? Things yeah, like right-click their name. Members. Yes, right-click their name and, you know, get information, do things like right, that. Right, their professions and what they can make. Yeah, you know, all that. Um. Yeah. Can we uh, also, this is my number one thing, and uh, Elder Scrolls folks in the chat, please, please do this. Please, can we just have a thing that says the last time someone was on, like how long ago they were on, and more importantly, and more importantly, how long ago they were on if they like are in another guild. So if they're online, but they're in like a different guild at the time, how long it was since they were in your guild. I feel like there's gonna be like if there's multi guilds you can cross guild. There's a lot of people who are like, oh no, I'm totally, I totally want to be a part of what you're doing, but they're off with their friends for like five days. At that point, it's like goodbye, right? And I feel like having that little timer next to their name, like how long, that kills me. In recent games, they have not had that, and it is the worst thing in the I th- world. I think that they should give guild leaders an option to. For any of the members in the guild, they can't join other guilds. So, like, the the people joining certain guilds can decide whether or not they want to participate in multiple guilds. Um, You know, it's uh, they can differentiate themselves from other guilds, you know. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I would completely agree with with both those. Um, You know, as a guild leader, it it totally, you know, sucks because, you know, every MMO has its ebb and its flow in terms of, whether it's popular or people kind of getting bored with it or there's not enough content or whatever. So, you know, you're going to always have like a peak and then, you know, after a month or two, it's your, your numbers are going to kind of dwindle down. Um, and then, you know, it's going to go, it's going to grow, it's going to contract. But, um, but yeah, if you're trying to, you know, maintain your rosters, you know, for effective PVP, you know, if you're open world or for, for rating, especially if you have multiple raid groups, you know, you, you, you kind of, have to be like a business person to try to maintain your numbers. Say, okay, do I have enough healers? Do I have enough DPS? You know, yep. and and if you don't short of a job, yeah, yeah, I mean, and if you don't have a good enough uh, roster system, especially, and I'm so glad you brought <laughs> that up. And you can't say, well, you know, Joe the Barbarian hasn't been logged in in five days. That is going to hurt, you know. Um, you know, in terms of the multi gaming uh, concept, I mean, the first game that I really saw that did that, and if there's others, I apologize, was Guild Wars 2. Um, I didn't really play Guild Wars 1 that much. Um, I don't know if I agree with that as a good idea. I, I gotta be honest, as a guild leader, kind of like you said, if someone's playing in this other guild, then why would I want a person who's not focused on my guild and my friends? Because that's what I look at. That's the whole reason why I'm into the whole guild thing. Right, those it's are building my, a community. Yeah, those are my friends. That's who I want to play with. I want to play when I, I, I don't want to play a game unless I'm playing with my friends. Um, why would I want somebody who's a scab? Why would I want somebody who's crossing the picket line? <laughs> why would I want somebody who's crossing the picket line to come play with me just so that we can do the raid? You know, I understand you got a pug here and there, but I try very hard to not pug raids so that right. it's only mm-hmm. our guild. And it and it's really to, to some degree, it's about the loot. You want to keep the loot in your guild, but it's more right. about the fact that 
I want to play with Bob the Barbarian because I like him, not Joe the Barbarian who's a scab who's coming in. I will play with Should Joe I take offense because, to this? because we can't get this raid done. But, you know, long story short, I don't understand the why. I mean, maybe Mark, someone can explain it to me. Yeah, Mark, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to jump in on something here for a second. Sure. All right. Um, I know that you can join for your one account. Okay. You can join five guilds. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's five. I didn't know it was a number. Yeah. Yeah, it's five. I, I believe I, from the last time I heard, I think yeah. it was five. Mm-hmm. If memory serves, which usually does not. <laughs> You're right um, this time. It's okay. So, real life application of this. Okay. You're, there are going to be people out there that are going to say, I want this guild for you know, casual leveling up, and then I'll choose this guild for my hardcore raiding experience, and I'll choose this guild for my hardcore PvP experience. But ultimately, and just like we do with MMOs, there's going to be that one guild we always go to. That's my real guild. That's my serious guild. Those other guilds, if something's going on, I'll pop in there. Or like my other friend from this other place that I, you know, I'm involved with, like he's part of this guild, like I'll join that. But I think I think human nature is people set up a home in whatever whatever situation they happen to be in. And in this place, it's an MMO space. So so your home is always your guild. There's always going to be that one place that you normally come back to. And it's I think like cheers. You're going to go where everyone knows your name, Mark. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I sort of feel like what, what Zenimax is really saying is you don't have to leave a guild if you want a hardcore PvP experience and that feeling of camaraderie. You can you can have you can have both. All right? It's just it's more options. And I think real the real life application of this is I think I think more most people are going to have that one guild that they're always with, and then there's going to be, you know, maybe one, maybe two others that they say, I, I you know, I go here for, for this other experience. And I, I think it's really going to be limited to that. Then the key has to be communication between people who have, like, the biggest thing is if you have a raid coming up and someone's another guild, how do you communicate with that person without whispering them and hunting them down? They have to be able to get a message between guilds like that would be key then if, if i'm over here hanging out with my like leveling buddies there's something really big happening on my main character on this on the guild that i'm actually really a part of and i want to be a part of how do i communicate that between the guilds and let people know that hey this is happening which is you know that map uh, not map the uh calendar that we talked about earlier that's important things like there's a lot of stuff you need because not being there but being online is just as bad as not being online at all well, I think, you know, one thing that's interesting in, in ESO's case is because ZeniMax is trying to promote all this social interaction, you know, there's a couple of features, at least, that they've said so far about their guild system. So one is that you have the multiple guilds on your account, and two is that your guild associations are account-specific, not character-specific. So if you're online, if you're on your character, it's not like, you know, maybe you're representing one guild and you're not representing your other five guilds. You'll have... You know, I think you're going to have five guild chat channels simultaneously if you're in all five guilds. And so, I, I mean, I think people are going to be able to reach you. It's going to become an issue of, you know, how much are people exploiting that? And, you know, if you look at the roster, if, you know, someone's, you know, 20 alts are all showing up for every single account that's in your guild, 
it could be a nightmare to keep track of people. So, I mean, I agree with you completely. It needs to, there needs to be a system where you can reach people and make sure you're all on the same page. But they are trying to make it more of a, an open-ended social experience rather than like, <laughs> this is the group that defines you as a gamer. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, it's this evil, bad plot. I just, I guess I'm saying, as a guild leader, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I'm, com- I don't think it, it doesn't meet my personal comfort zone. I guess is probably what it is. And you know, obviously, you got to ex- put yourself out there, and you got to expose yourself to new things. And you know, we're going to do it. I'm just trying to say, inherently, it, it bothers me. Inherently, I, I just see what could go wrong. And so I'm definitely going to work for it. And, you know, talking to you guys, I guess, gives me different perspective on it. Kyle, what are your thoughts in terms of some of the, you know, the guild systems that they need in order to be successful? Let me ask you guys, uh, haven't brought it up yet, but the whole UI modding, do you think that that will go towards guilds as well? So maybe you, if it, they don't have that whole, like last time you had logged in thing, is that something you could, uh, add yourself if you're good at programming and stuff mm. like that. Um, How much UI modding would be on a console, though? That, again, goes right. back That's to the true. console question. That's so, true, yes. Pretty much not much. All I want, because I'm lazy, is I want to be able to add an event on a calendar, be it on like my guild launch or my Facebook or something, and automatically syncs to my guild roster in-game. Just because I'm lazy, and that's just something I want. I'm sure. Oh, and costumes. Costumes. They have confirmed that there's like a costume system in the game. You should definitely be allowed to make some kind of guild costume so you can have all your members uh, wear something like that. That'd be awesome just yes. for morale and stuff. So, uh, Lord of the Rings around. Online. Lord of the Rings Online had a system like that where they you could make a basically a guild uniform. And so your whole guild can represent by all wearing Dwarven armor or all wearing, you know, uh, Daedric, I guess, or something, I guess, in terms of Elder Scrolls, would it not be awesome to be charging into battle in Cyrodiil with your whole guild army all wearing the same armor? How, how cool would that be? Or the, that would be sweet. What about the guild pimp king? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. It's kind of like that, war, that movie Warriors. Everyone's like their own, everyone's their own, like, themed guild or themed gang. We're the mimes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and take some questions from the uh, from the chat. So, uh, I guess the the biggest question we're getting most is, um, what made you guys choose the uh, the factions that you did? And from what I know, a large amount of us are actually looking at Old Mary. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So, actually, I think everybody raise your hand if you're not Old Mary. So everybody here is Old Mary. <laughs> so, so we'll start with Josh and be like, Josh, why Old Mary? Because the queen, man, she's good looking. Have you seen those pictures? Are you she's serious with that queen? <laughs> and her is lieutenant, that, that yeah, yeah, the redhead uh, elf. I did lieutenant. it all for the nookie. Mm. Yeah, she's <laughs> ridiculous. She's oh my is, god! Yeah. I'm the old perv here, and you, really, that's why you chose it? Come on, <laughs> come on. You have a better reason, Jesse? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, here's the reason why. Based on the most recent game. I'm convinced a lot of people have no love for the for the elves as a race. So a lot of people are going to want to relive their Skyrim experience or play as an Argonian. So that faction, they're going to be filled with people. And then humans always have the most like people in them. And I was like, what has the least, what's going to be the underdog and thus the best? you got to go elves with this thing. Elves and Khajiit. Uh, yeah, exactly. It. it has cats, man. And cats poop in sand. How epic can you get? 
Well, I'm not going to be a cat person. That's just silly. Cat people are just silly. We poop in the zombie. Cat people are silly, Jesse. What is this guy? I am unsubscribing from you, Jesse. This is bullshit. There used to be a a lick ass emote. So (laughs) nice. So Joe, why why is the uh, the Quest Gaming Network looking at doing the? uh, Give me a second. I'm time stamping where my co-host swore. We'll let let Arwen. All right, 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 right. We're going because of the cats. Um, No, really, it's all about the lore, basically, behind the Elmeri Dominion. We have a bunch of lore freaks in the guild. And Joe, it has nothing to do with the lore. Have you seen the Queen, Joe? It has everything to do with the Queen. I'm trying to sound smart here, man. Not typical (laughs) typical male hormones, but yeah, it's the Queen. (laughs) Holy cow. All right, he's right. I'm doing it for the queen, too. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. For the queen! For the queen. wonder if the carpet matches the puke. Never mind. <laughs> wow. Wow. Sorry. We, we went there. We're Turn supposed bad. to be all-stars, right? Uh... All right, Andrew. Let's, uh, let's bring it back home. So uh, so why Aldmeri for, uh, for Tamriel Foundry? Because I think you guys are going to have your own, your own guild. Yeah, yeah, we have our own guild, uh, Entropy Rising. But... Um, we're, I mean, I don't know. It's like partially the underdog factor, like what Jesse said. Uh, I guess I'm pretty psyched to see new provinces as like the home provinces of that faction, because all three of those are ones we haven't seen, at least in, in any Elder Scrolls game in, in my lifetime that I, I really played. Um, I started with Morrowind, so... Um, so yeah, I'm excited about the the provinces, just the underdog and Cyrodiil. You know, I'm a Dayok veteran, and I always thought Ebonheart was going to be like Albion. You know, it's like the the one realm that everyone plays. And then I don't know, I don't know who's Hibs and who's Mids, but Aldmeri works for me. So, all right, well that works. <laughs> all right, let's look next next big question. You never got to me. <laughs> Fail. Brian, why would you like to be out Mary? Is it because that's where your guilt huh. is going to be? <laughs> uh, I, I might. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, Redguard intrigues me, but I think I'm going to stick with Nord on what is it called? Ebonheart. Yeah. <laughs> I've always. I've just nice always played Nord. That's my, that's my thing. Back to Nord's voice on. Okay. Back to the questions. <laughs> Ebonheart equal alliance. <laughs> Apparently yes. in chat, arrows were raped by face. So here's a question from Tackle Shaft. I believe that uh, the announced that we... Uh, Do we have to edit that name out? <laughs> I hope not. Tackle Shaft? <laughs> a Tackle Shaft. I believe they announced uh, that we will be able to use mods to uh, accent the UI for the PC. What type of mods would everyone be interested in? So I'm assuming they're going to have something very simple relative to APIs and stuff like that. Honestly, the UI doesn't like intrigue me in the slightest. I was looking for the simplistic, if what they say is true, you know, it's minimal to the utmost where it's like an Elder Scrolls game. I'm not going to want to modify it that much, you know. I'm going to want to stick with that minimalistic stuff. What I wanted to see with the whole modding community, because I really do think Zenimax needs to harness the power of the Elder Scrolls modding communities, I'd argue it, it is like the best modding community out there, was, uh, you know, sort of a, a Second Life thing going on where you're making armor sets and stuff like that, or just skins of armors that uh, 
you know, are then submitted to ZeniMax and approved and, uh, you know, could be sold. And this was a possibility for how they could make their money is, you know, cosmetics like a Guild Wars 2 type system and that sort of thing. But as far as UI goes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in it much at all. You would be now, amazed. It's funny that you say that because when I was, uh, I was there with, you know, most of the guys here uh, what, last October, they had the guy in charge of the modding for, what, Skyrim? Uh, he was sitting to the left of Jesse and myself, and on the other side was Ivarwin. And the thing I kept bringing up was like, well, why don't you set it up so that we could mod for Elder Scrolls Online, do a cash shop, people can submit, and it gets approved, and then take 20%, 30%, or whatever your, is, your thing is off the top, and then now they could get paid. I mean, that would be a very interesting dynamic, because you know, to, to quote another game, uh, Planetside 2 is doing getting ready to do something very similar to that, and that's you know, what I found out at E3. So I'm like... That would be a great way to capture that modding community, bring it over to this space, allow them to create a widget or whatever, get it proved, get it vetted, you know, because it would sit in their little, you know, inbox or whatever. And then, you know, that could be part of the whole entire transaction. What are your and thoughts on that? And then they could that? sell it to the console as well. Yeah, I mean, that would be interesting. But, you know, then that's a way that, you know, uh, ZeniMax could take their 10, 20, whatever percent off the top. That modder gets paid, the community gets jazzed, and then that's going to just be a self-licking ice cream. More and more people are going to want to go into that and get get their payment structure going on, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I just in left field on that one? <laughs> Sounds I, I get pretty uncomfortable with the idea of charging for mods, but I guess if it were implemented in a in a smooth way, I could I could be okay with it. I don't know. It makes me a little bit uneasy. As do as does modding that gets into the realm of player generated content because I've seen too many examples of of gamers that will submit stuff that's you know completely out of left field you know. Um. I mean, so, but that's but that's a difference and that's a risk I think where you know you leave uh, Elder Scrolls the single player game and you enter that MMO space right. In the online space, you normally normally have a cash shop to change the way you look. You normally, or you have to earn in-game widgets or credits to buy it. You know, so I mean, they could they could play with that model any kind of way. But I'm just trying to say that's definitely a stretch between the two different uh, platforms. Because at the end of the day, these guys are gonna they're in a very hard position. They're either gonna piss off to some degree the MMO players, or they're gonna piss off to some degree. The Elder Scrolls players. I mean, the the fact that they're going to just get a perfect, everybody's loving it to the same amount. I, I don't see that being possible. I think everyone's going to be happy at, oh, at the end. Mark, I, I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I, I really think if they hold true to their vision, how can we make this an Elder Scrolls game? I think they're going to make the MMO space and the console space extremely happy as long as they hold true to that. I respectfully disagree. Also, you guys are <laughs> underplaying. You guys are underplaying the UI modding system. Do you know what game out there right now only has a moddable UI? World of Warcraft. What's the number one modded mm-hmm. game in history? World of Warcraft. Um, mm-hmm. Why the combat log? Does ESO have a combat log? What? Yes, it does. So, what can it open up for the game? Quite a bit. That's, that's, just the that's problem, what I was though. mentioning with why PC will end up always being the server first because we'll we'll have all, all the mods to make the the perfect moves constantly in in game. That's just how it's going to happen. 
I, I just that's the problem though. I don't want those types of mods that you find in WoW because then you come to the mm. point where people or groups are going to require you to have deadly boss mods, require you to have recount yeah. and heal bot and all that kind of stuff that clogs up my screen. I don't want that crap. Deadly on boss my mods wouldn't work for ESO anyway because of how their combat system works. I, I understand that. I'm just saying though, in general though, those mods that just take up my screen, I don't want it. Then why not yeah, go with groups you know, that don't require that? Why not don't download it? <laughs> Because that's a lot of wow, though. though. I mean, <laughs> well, like, if, I, as the gamer, I want as much information about my character as I can get. I want to know exactly what buffs are, are affecting me. I want to know exactly what debuffs are affecting me. I want to know rich tool tips about my abilities, their effectiveness, uh, you know, what my stats are contributing to my character. I want to know how much damage I'm doing. I want to know all of that information in a way that I can process in real time. And I that's agree. something that, that mods tend to do a really good job of. So as long as they follow through with delivering those tools to the, the Lua modding community, give us the combat log, give us those tools, then I think they can please everyone because it is an optional decision. You can have as immersive an experience as you want. You can tailor the game to suit your personal preferences. Now, and, is and, that and, and there it is. That's, that's it right there. Kyle, Kyle wants one thing. Andrew awesome. wants something. <laughs> completely <Whoa>. different. <laughs> All right. Alrighty. The thing is, is um, <clears throat> you have to you have to enter an MMO, okay? When especially with something like this, okay, options are never, ever, ever, ever a bad thing. The more options, the better, okay? Because because people out there say, oh, that's something I don't want, then I won't take it. And then the next person will say, that's something I do want, though, and I am going to take it. I, I think there's. I think a lot of people who play MMOs have forgotten personal accountability. If you I, don't want something, I agree. I agree. Don't download it. And if you it, and if there's a, a a guild out there or a social group out there that says you must have this, don't go there. Be personally personally accountable for the way you want to play, and then gravitate towards those social places that that support something like that. Yeah, there's not going to be with the mega. That's slivers, what forums are for. You're not going to have any kind of. Um, shortness of gills out there but with the topic of options i feel like one of the key things that always happens is with mods and and all that information that comes out eventually you get to the point and i i want this to, to be as far away from the launch as possible but eventually no matter what you're gonna get to the point where every build is looked at and there's one good build for every single combo mm. and it will eventually happen and and i know you can say like you know, do your accountability and do what you want to do to have fun and play the way you want to play. But if you want to get somewhere in these games, you have to join guilds that are going to say, this is how you do it. Or you or you don't get to see this boss ever. Deal with it. And if you want to see that boss, you have to change your play style. And I think that's a problem that I if there's options, I'd like options to exist long term, not just in terms of mods, but in terms of play style. And I want to have these spells... Because uh, last at E3 versus at PAX, I played the exact same class but played two different styles, and one I loved way more than the other. And I feel like that is something that should be considered in this and process. That's that's a game developer issue. You know, Nick Nick Conkle and Maria Alaprando should be sitting there together, saying to themselves, "How can we make these boss fights meld with with various types of builds, all the different kinds of builds that we could possibly think of? How do we make this boss in this in quotes, you know, raid or large scale PVE content? How do we make this boss 
reachable through all different types of of uh, of, of builds, and that's a developer issue. And if if we CC something in the game, okay, if we see something in the game that we can't, we have to have a specific build, a specific healing build, or DPS build, or tanking build, in order to achieve or to get through a certain mechanic, then we need to be vocal about that as a community in the forums or send the community team an email and say, hey, you know, uh, the best way in order to get through this mechanic is with this build, and I don't like that. And that, I feel, I feel like that goes down to what WoW became. It wasn't like this in the beginning, but it's what WoW became, which was gimmick fights. Every boss fight became a gimmick. There was always something you had to do at a certain time to avoid something, and the longer Elder Scrolls can stay away from gimmicky fights, then we won't need certain people for certain situations. And you can bring who you want. And I think that'll be a big thing for them as well. Because you can only dodge so many fireballs with like little circles on the ground before it's like, we get it. We get we just, we, we get <laughs> You're it. You're here. Stay out of the poop. But so, so I mean, we kind of went a couple of different directions with that kind of discussion. I mean, I think, UI mods or mods period are, are, are can be great for the people who enjoy them. You don't have to you don't have to get them if you don't want. Um, they can be great tools if you want to min max, but I think they can be that whole double edged sword that I think we were talking about. If they become the requirement to go raid, you know what I'm trying to say. Right. So you can't join my group unless you have this mod installed. That's the thing that would kill me in this game and i just i don't the moment i have to exit out of my game log out my character to go grab a bunch of resources like it's been broken for me and i know that some people that's their thing they love that they love to whip out the spreadsheets and you know that's what mmos have been for them i'm hoping this would kind of break the mold with that so if there's a tool you really need that's fine. Let the, the developers actually put that in the game at launch, then, or or patch it in. Don't don't make me have to go install it to be wow. viable. Blizzard did that with WoW. They they noticed that such a percentage of players had certain mod, and so they added it in as a UI, like with the default browser, like a, a kind of a, a watered down auctioneer and stuff like that. Okay, so. Let's uh, move on unless anyone has anything that they're very passionate about <laughs> for that specific <laughs> thing. Um, the, the, I think the next question, I think the big one, especially talking pre-show uh, with Andrew, is uh, the launch has been pushed back. It's no longer uh, definitely sometime in 2013. It's now spring of 2014. What are your thoughts in terms of of, of, of that just period? You know, Is it a good thing? Um, does it concern you? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? So we'll st- we'll start with Joe. It doesn't concern me at all, and I I'm gonna let those people out there know that I I'm willing to bet it, they're not pushing a date back for a console like everyone's screaming about. Um, <laughs> make it better. I don't care how long it takes. I want a polished, beautiful game. Big deal. I'll wait the extra three months or four months. If it comes out better, I'll wait. Yep. All right, Brian. And- Oh, Jesse, you had something? Oh, I was going to say, and really, when you think about it, now that, because uh, the only other game that was even on my radar as an MMO was was Titan, that's gone now. So that's psh, wherever that goes, wherever dead games go. So really, <laughs> this is, I mean, this this is the big MMO title coming down the line. There is nothing else that I can think of at the moment that is even on the radar at this level of, like, in-depth 
great quality content. So good. Let them push it back. Let them make it perfect. And because there's nothing to compete with them right now because everything else is slowly just fading away and there's no big launch titles on the way. So I'm I'm fine with it. And I know people are like, well, what about this game and this game? They aren't nearly as big. Sorry, fellas. They do not have the name. They don't have an Elder Scrolls name behind it. There's nothing at that level against it right now. There's no company doing that. So good. Let them let them make it better. Mm-hmm. Kyle, what are your thoughts of the launch date of the pushback? I'm fine with it. I know a lot of people are arguing, saying that it is because of the consoles, but the devs have said explicitly that it's not because of that, especially Brian Wheeler. I remember with the uh, interview he had with MMORPG about PvP, very beginning of it, he said it was not because of the consoles. It's because of the beta feedback they were getting. They realized they had way too much stuff that they had to do that it would not be able to be done unless they really rushed it. And then we'd start seeing bugs and stuff that just we don't want. So I would rather have a few upset people um, because of the pushback than a bunch of just pissed off people that quit the game because it's broken when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I would? I loved this. I was so excited to hear that the game was going to get pushed back because it shows to me that they're they're willing to um, – make adjustments on the fly for the betterment of the game and there's there's nothing uh more more uh, there's nothing better than seeing someone you know uh take responsibility for for the quality of the product that they're they're trying to to release and uh i i gained a tremendous amount of of uh respect and confidence in this game that you know just just by hearing this I was really excited to hear about that. Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I can't really disagree with, with anything that, that you guys have said. I think you're just about right on. I, I mean, I wouldn't say I was excited to hear the, about the pushback. <laughs> I mean, Yay! obviously, like, you know, it's it's a negative. It is a negative. I mean, we can we can point out the positives to it, I and I think that I the positives are really I, significant. I cry a little bit, um, too, so. <laughs> All right. But I think that, you know, one thing is... Will the extra time allow them to finish certain features that maybe weren't quite going to make it for the end of this year? I mean, we've heard them talk a bit about Adventure Zones. Is that something that they'll be able to launch with now that we're looking at 2014? Uh, You know, we've seen just some brief video clips of Cyrodiil. I mean, if they need a little bit of extra time to deliver a really polished, really balanced PvP experience on that level at launch, then that's great. Um, so, I mean, if they need extra time, I am totally understanding of that. I hope that they can use those extra months to make sure they get their ducks in a row concerning uh, the endgame features that they plan to launch with. Because I think that's the biggest thing that we haven't seen yet that the MMO community needs to be convinced about. All right, so let me ambush Josh with this one. Do you think that they pushed it back? And then I guess everyone can chime in. Do you think they pushed it back because... Through the beta, they realized, hey, this is kind of going in the wrong direction? Or do you think they really just did it to fix the obvious bugs but add more content? You know, (laughs) there's two sides of me, right? There's the cynic and then there's the optimist. The -hmm. cynic thinks that, oh, the moment this flashed across the screen, spring 2014, my mind went immediately to consoles, right? Oh, it's because of the consoles. Then they came out with the interviews that said, no, it's because of the polish. We want to make a better game. And they specifically pointed out, Mark, what you just said, uh, beta uh, feedback 
from fans. So what I'm hoping, and this might be a, just a pipe dream, but people in beta were like, look, we want this, this, and this. This will make it feel more like an Elder Scrolls game. Crime system, Dark Brotherhood, all this crap, right? And that's why they moved it back, was maybe to add some of those things that, in people's minds, would make this uh, MMO more of an Elder Scrolls game. So that's the hope, anyway. Okay. Very cool. Nick? I think uh, people need to realize that for, like, AAA titles on a console, they're going to build the game for you to play it for a a set amount of time. You know, they're going to tell you it's, like, 20 hours of content. For an MMO, you're building something that you want to last for a decade. That I mean, that is something that you have to put a ton of work into. It needs to be perfect or else it won't last that 10 years. And realistically, how many MMOs have lasted that 10 years? I mean, the greatest ones have, the others have not. You know, you're talking Elder, uh, Eve, EverQuest, WoW. What else has lasted 10 years? WoW's only eight years old. Even, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that have lasted a long time, but they aren't great. And right. I think I speak for all of us when I say, I don't care if this lasts you know, 50 years, I want it to be great all 50 years. Like, it's one of those things where if I'm going to play it, I want it to be great the entire time I play it. So, you know, just because a game lasts a long time doesn't mean it equals greatness. So I hope right. when they when this launches, it's good, and I hope it lasts that long. I, don't know. I agree that longevity doesn't necessarily equal greatness, but you can't have greatness without longevity. So... It needs to be successful. All right, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Wordsmith. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Uh, next question. Alliance versus Alliance Combat, which you know a lot of folks who played Dayok uh, kind of remember. Um, in PvP, especially in open world, it normally, you know, was might makes right. There's strength in numbers. Zerg, whatever you want to call it, do you do you feel that um, Cyrodiil, the PvP element of this game, which I'm looking most forward to out of the whole game, um, is going to be the playground for the big, the really big guilds, or or do you think that like the smaller guilds are going to just kind of be like you know the extras and stuff? Do you think like a smaller guild can actually have a place in this or? Or, or what? What are your kind of thoughts on that? And so we'll we'll start off with um, with Avarwin. Uh, actually, we'll start off with Kyle. We started off with Avarwin last time. Sweet. Um, I would love to see them actually working together because you uh, okay. You're going to see the major oh. guilds going for the keeps, and Uh-oh. something went off with the screen. Uh, yeah, I just screwed it. Hold on. <laughs> Keep talking. Okay. Hey, Noah. Hi, everybody. Uh, those are not Hi, my eyes. Hi, everybody. <laughs> And then there was Kyle's one. <laughs> and then there was one. Okay, I'm not gonna do that. All right, so uh, yeah. Oh god, uh, I'm talking have... anyways. I'm I'm going. Wow. All right, so you see the, <laughs> the no large guilds. Pay attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll see large guilds oh, going for the keeps. That's just that's just what they're gonna do. Um, but then I see the smaller guilds forming with those larger ones to start going after the resources and stuff that are going to be surrounding those keeps because they know that will actually uh, end up helping out the larger guilds with taking that keep because the resources help defend the actual keep itself. Um, now, you had mentioned Zergs and stuff. I, I don't think you'll see so many Zergs in this game because of the sheer size of Tamriel, or I'm sorry, Cyrodiil specifically, because... It's so massive that Zergs will have no place because they'll all be in one area and there's so much more Cyrodiil out there that they're just going to be capping points left and right. 
So, like, I don't think Zergs will be uh, a problem or an issue. So, hopefully, at least, though, to go back to the previous thing, uh, we'll be seeing large guilds and small guilds working together because they'll find that uh, it works best in that situation. Jesse, what are your thoughts? I hope that, if you remember, when we were actually there and talked about it with them, the there was a lot of things that you could do besides just go take on a, a, a castle or a fort or whatever. And so I'm hoping that those uh, add up and they play a very significant role rather than like, I took your wheat farm. Like, you know, what does that actually get you? I don't know. Jobs but hopefully wheat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they took our wheat. Uh, I, I feel like there's got to be uh, or like a dungeon or something and those add up or uh, so everything adds up to the war effort. And hopefully there are events that happen, and I'm, I'm hoping that small groups will play just as big a role as the bigger ones. And it's, I guess it's up to what they've done with that space they've, they've created. I don't, I don't know. Hey, in some ways, I think the smaller groups can be more effective. Yeah. Jungle warfare. Okay, oh, so... Picking off people, running, running back and forth, just appear out of nowhere. There's a lot of potential for, for chaos, but... It's no. up to what you're allowed to do. I mean, it's their rules, so we'll have to see. So, so Joe, let, let, let's let's pull on that thread. I mean, in a lot of places, in a lot of MMO, MMOs, uh, you know, large guilds can lock down areas. They can, you know, take over choke points, right, for lack of a better words. And, you know, just because they have the sheer numbers, I mean, what, what more really can they do? You know, the smaller guilds. Andrew, you want to... You got something to say? <laughs> oh, you, no, that's very... <laughs> no, 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 catch! No, no, no. He's there waving his hand, like, raising his hand, like, okay, yeah. go ahead, man. Catch. Teacher, teacher. <laughs> it all depends on the open world combat, how it plays out, where the way shrines are, where the resources are around the keeps, what how the keeps play out. Um, small groups can easily take out an off-the-way resource than a large group can, especially when they're trying to defend the entire keep. As well as, like, say, for instance, someone's in... You got a large guild in the keep trying to defend it, and they're getting picked off little bit by little bit. But their waypoint is a ways away because we took most of their resources. We have small groups going in between that way shrine and that keep, picking them off as they try to get back. How are they can get reinforcements? It really depends on what, like you said, is implemented in this game and how the right. open world's going to play out. Well, just uh, I just saw somebody he in chat, Kurgan. He he has my exact thoughts that. That bigger guilds will end up making allies with smaller guilds, and I, I, I hope that guilds will start to work together for like a greater cause, um, you know, and, and like the big guild that's that, that's kind of moving everything together, kind of tells the smaller guilds to go do smaller objectives along the side. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point because I mean, even you know, we're all hoping to try to get into beta and start playing that. I mean, we've already amongst ourselves just because we know each other and we all know that we're going to be playing Old Mary. We all know that we all have guilds. Um, we've already been like, hey, you know, let's do like some kind of informal alliance or, you know, however that system's going to work out <laughs> so that, you know... We want the other... We want the other... Excuse me. We want the other alliances to think that they actually have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> True. <clears throat> okay. Through the world of illusion. Hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, you know, people that are working together. But but you know the point is is you know, alliances are going to be built, right? And that's you know it's like a web of trust. It's a circle of trust, right? 
Alliances will be built. Lands shall be forged. Opponents crushed. Dude, that was awesome. Sorry, that was... <laughs> <laughs> you need to talk to Jesse about it. Yeah, do it in your part... Bane voice, Yvarwin. Voice acting. Get, getting some part-time work, dude. Shank's got the Bane voice. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> Josh, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I like to just look, I guess, at my experiences in gaming right now and, and what MMOs have had the most uh, fun PvP as far as small groups go. And uh, Planet Side 2, I had a lot of fun uh, basically looking for the Zergs and seeing where they were going and then playing off of that with my friends. And I think this was helped out a lot by the fact that uh, zones of conflict were actually marked on the map. So whenever a big battle was going down, you could look at it just by glancing at the map. And so me and my buddy would go then and hit the territories that just weren't occupied or, or nothing was going on. And Brian Wheeler actually just mentioned in his MMORPG interview that this, in fact, will Name be in the Elder dropper. Scrolls Online. <laughs> yeah, so it will be in the Elder Scrolls Online. You will get to see. You'll, they'll actually even mark uh, what faction, too, is fighting in any given zone. So say if... Uh, you're looking to kill some Nords, you know, we're, we're all fighting for the Queen, we're looking to slay some, some Nords, we would just look for the Ebonheart Pack symbol on the map and, and maybe go after those guys, or avoid them all together, and, uh, you know, outwit them, us Elven brains, we got some cunning, maybe we'll, uh, we'll go around them. So, I, I think the map thing will help a lot with the smaller groups and trying to coordinate around, getting around those large Zergs. Good answer. <laughs> Kyle? What's up? <laughs> That's it. Just how hi. you doing, buddy? How's <laughs> See, we already have a master plan. We're gonna so, have. Sorry, I was in chat. What was? What's going on? We're gonna have this like <laughs> small group of elitists that are gonna go out and pwn everybody, like five or six of us. Where we have a master plan. We have a, a hidden weapon called a shank, and we're gonna plant him near flowers as bait. <laughs> shank, shank. <laughs> then he pieces. And then he pieces shank. as we shank. take care of everybody else. Yeah. Next <laughs> <laughs> right. question. So, so do you think that there's going to be any problems or issues with the fact that they're going to have the... Uh, I mean, it worked for Dark Age of Camelot, but do you think in, in 2013 there's going to be any issues with the PvP being instance and centralized in Cyrodiil versus, like, uh, for people who want open-world PvP, do you think nope. that's going to be any problem at all? Nope. Because... I, I, you can go ahead, Jesse. No, uh, please. Please. Okay, I was cool. going to say, I hope it's open-world. <laughs> I want... I want to be able to run in there and murder people and run back out and not have to cross any zone lines or anything. That's all I want to say. Cyrodiil is already going to have that kind of built into the whole open world PvP because, again, it's so massive and there's going to be quests you can do. There's going to be uh, public dungeons you can go into. There's going to be a bunch of mats you can find, pick, flowers, whatever you want to do. Uh, you can do all that in Cyrodiil while having that, <laughs> while having that feeling of someone being behind your shoulder who's about to stab you in the back. So... You can still have that PvP server feel, even though there isn't an actual world PvP. Very cool. All right, so I think that's all our questions. So we can go ahead and I want to do the PvP question. No, just crying. It's too late for you. Left out. <laughs> Shut up. Tamriel Foundry. We're ending this now. Go ahead, man. No PvP question for you. Shut up, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, as as I guess the the representative Dayok vet on the channel on the on the show. Um, I don't know. I, I think that the the difference between the large group and small group d- dynamic is pretty interesting because 
in, in this type of structure before, it's often the large groups that tend to get things done. Like they're sort of the, the movers and shakers. They're responsible for advancing the stage of the realm war. But it's actually sort of the small groups that tend to get the glory because they're the ones that are making like the YouTube gank vids and the you know they're the ones that are they're, that are running the like elite PvP crews that are like wiping out groups uh, you know three times their number. And if ESO can have that sort of roaming dynamic to it, uh, you know they can put a lot of incentives on on getting people to spread out because you know like. Uh, like Josh said, uh, or, or like Kyle said, I'm sorry, I forget which one of you, it's but the same um, thing, same thing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> um, you know, they've got all the PVE objectives. They've got all the reasons to, you know, expand out over all of Cyrodiil. You've got your your alliance's home area of the province. You've got the other alliances that have their sort of home area. So it's like, do you want to play defense? Do you want to play offense? It's going to get people moving in all sorts of different directions. And then everyone's going to come together and coalesce when there's that big keep raid or that big Elder Scroll raid. So Elder Scrolls are like this mechanic that was like relics in Deok, which is like this very powerful artifact that you can capture for your faction. And um, I think it's going to do a good job of naturally having people move in between the large group and small group dynamic on their own without necessarily dedicating themselves to just one or just the other. I think the great point that you and Narwin made relative to that whole concept is the fact that obviously a smaller group is going to be able to move usually quicker, faster, and you know they're going to have a smaller signature. You know, especially if you're trying to keep an eye on an area, um, they're going to be able to get to places. Um, so I mean, that's, that's that's just the way it is. You know, combat in in the real world. So that completely makes sense. You know, if you have a thousand people in a guild or whatever, and they're all there. Well, that's going to take a big signature. It's going to take a whole lot of coordination to get them to go from A to B, and it's going to take a while. So, I mean, that completely makes sense, especially if you're looking at, you know, raid, uh, raids, not in the sense of, like, uh, in-game PvE, but, you know, kind of more like a like a commando-style raid to go hit something behind enemy lines or, you know, at some place that they're not looking. So so that, that totally makes some sense. So I, I dig that. Um. Okay, I think that is that 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 concludes all of our questions for uh, this episode. Probably do it in another uh, six weeks or so. So, why don't we go around the horn and let you guys go ahead and plug what you guys have coming up? Plug uh, your uh, your sites and everything. We'll start with the uh, the Quest Gaming Network. You want to go, uh, Joe? Unmuting is great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Evarwin is the best at this. I, I I defer to him every time is on our show. Evarwin. You have the radio voice. Go ahead, man. Hey, <laughs> and in so this if you'd like to hear stuff about Elder Scrolls Online, make sure you go to ElderScrollsOffTheRecord.com. <laughs> Yay. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Our RSS feed is on uh, ElderScrollsOnline.com as well. And uh, please uh, make sure to check out uh, the Quest Gaming Network, QuestGamingNetwork.com for general gaming articles. We do more than just podcast, guys. We uh, we report and we podcast, and you guys can weigh in as well on our site with uh, with your comments. So we hope to see you there. Cool, Andrew. Can I get a Varwin to do my voiceover <laughs> advertising too? Tamrealfoundry.com. If you yeah, don't suck at life, you're on Tamrealfoundry.com. That was brilliant. <laughs> I, I don't even know to go after that. I mean, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm Andrew from Tamriel Foundry, and um, you should check us out. So you know, as Evarwin said, so you don't suck at life. Tamrealfoundry.com. <laughs> 
Jesse. Suck it, life. Uh, really simply, you can go to jessecox.com now, and it will just take you to my YouTube page. How about that for a thing? That's called synergy, people. And Twitter, Jesse Cox. You can go there. That's a thing, too. I do stuff that probably isn't worth your time, but watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Brian. Um, I'm over at gameskinny.com. My name is Rothalak on the site, in case anybody was wondering. Um, also, go check out Guild Launch. That is our guild hosting site. Um, so, about Game Skinny, I guess I should say. <laughs> Anybody who wants to say anything, come over and write an article. And uh, me, anything? Kate, Amy, yes, anything. <laughs> so, about video games, I guess. Culture, tips, reviews, news. Can I, can I write an article about how extremely attractive the queen is? And how you everyone... You, you really... Look, what a queen! I wish you would, Jess. I will, I will personally make sure it makes it on the front page. Can it be a, can it be a fanfic awesome. of me and the queen? <laughs> the heck was that? <laughs> it's awesome! Oh, Fifty Shades of Queen Aaron. Yes. <laughs> Alright, she called me into her chamber. <laughs> Josh At first, Kyle. I was unsure of myself, but I went in anyway. Oh. I'm telling you. I'm telling oh, you. you. <laughs> Alright, which one are you two? Josh, Kyle, which one are you guys going to do the Shoddycast? Josh, have at it. Alright, well it's real simple. Just go to uh, Shoddycast.com and that links to everything. To our YouTube page, our Facebook, Twatters, all of that stuff. Twatters. You go through. Twatters. uh, Shoddycast. Yeah. I'm going to be taking the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. And I'm Mark Taylor, a.k.a. Lord Hammer from GuildArmor.com. We are recruiting, uh, so come check us out. Uh... That's really the show, so thank you so much. We'll come back in probably, I don't know, six weeks, seven weeks. Uh, The reason why we do this is we don't want to cannibalize any of the organic content that each of these individual sites would make on their own, but we do want to try to make sure we build and grow the community. Um, I've been getting hit up by a number of fan sites who want to try to be on, so we're going to try to figure out some kind of way to you know get some folks in here, um, and hopefully uh, maybe we can get some of the devs to come on the show and, and chat with us and chat with you okay. folks. So so that's really it. Thanks you have a to lot. put them in the middle right there. We'll That'd put them right it. in the middle. Where it's <laughs> right says, in the middle. Where it says Elder Scrolls. <laughs> So I just look up at them like (laughs) (laughs) So thanks and uh, have a great weekend everybody. Night everybody. Boy. Bye bye. See ya.